Welcome to the Hunt the West podcast, where it's all about getting outside, experiencing the outdoors, and having epic adventures. At Hunt the West, my only goal is for you to get out and hunt. My name is Skylar Harrison. I am your host. And when we talk about getting into hunting, there are barriers to entry, of course. Absolutely, there's barriers. And actually, they're relatively high. If you want an easy hobby to get into, I mean, you can just go buy a puzzle or plant a seed in a cup of dirt and put it in your windowsill or something. But you're listening to the Hunt the West podcast, so you're probably less interested in jigsaw puzzles and alfalfa sprouts and more interested in getting out into the wilderness, finding a mule deer or an elk and putting a fat, juicy, lean, organic steak on your table and then telling an awesome, epic story about how you got it. But where do you even start? Maybe you don't even know anyone who hunts or maybe you don't have any gear or maybe you don't have a weapon or you don't know how to use it. Or maybe you don't even know that you need to take a class to get your hunter safety card before you can get out and hunt. What if you, maybe a lot of you probably already hunt, but you maybe want to do a new species or you want to try archery for the first time, you've never done it, or another weapon for the first time, you've never done it. And if you do, there's barriers to entry to getting into those things, like sidestepping into another aspect of hunting or, you know, stuff like that, or moving from one state to another. There's barriers to entry all over the place. So my goal is for you to get out and hunt, no matter what your experience level is or how much money you have. So today we're going to talk about overcoming these barriers and accomplishing your hunting goals. So there's a risk of sounding like a little bit of a self-help writer or something, but I'm okay with that. Um, If you don't want to improve yourself and you don't want to do hard things, then just go listen to another podcast that tells you that you're a victim and you'll never get ahead. But I'm here to tell you that even though something is hard, you can overcome it and be successful. That's a lesson that you learn in the mountains. Whether you're hiking a really tall mountain or you're hunting in a really remote area, it's one of the reasons why I hunt and why I go into the wild in pursuit of an animal. Because it's a challenge. It's hard. So we're going to start with some of those challenges of just getting started And then we'll get into more advanced challenges like changing to a new state or a new species or a new area and tackle those challenges. So we'll start with those beginner challenges a little bit, but they all kind of have applications for every type of hunter, every experience level too. So we can all relate to these, not just beginners. But when I talk to people who are getting into hunting, which is something I do a lot, and the people who message me and email me and stuff are, are often people who have never hunted before, or maybe they used to hunt when they were a kid or something, but in some way they've become more intrigued by it and want to give it a try. But usually when those people are talking, they have a, a lot of the same worries. Um, so like number one is money. It's like, it's pretty expensive. Or number two, they don't have anyone to go with. They don't know anybody or they don't know where to go. They don't have anywhere to go. And number three, they just don't feel like they're going to be successful. They don't want to waste their time. So kind of break those down into three different categories. We got, you don't like, it's too expensive money. You don't have anyone to go with. And three, you don't want to waste your time. You don't know if you're going to be successful. So with money, you, I mean, you don't want to buy a bunch of fancy gear, especially if you're not into hunting yet. Like you don't want to buy stuff that's 
hunting specific and then use it for a weekend in October or something and then not use it again until the next year. And that's like a totally valid concern. It can be a little overwhelming if you're looking at all these experienced hunters and they have every single piece of fancy gear that you could possibly imagine. And you start adding it up in your head and all the prices and stuff and it's an immediate no. You're like, no way. I'm not spending that much money. And let me tell you what you actually need and what you don't. So let's start off with the stuff you don't need. And keep in mind, I'm mostly talking about big game hunting. You don't need to go big game hunting at all, actually. The barrier to entry for small game hunting, waterfowl, upland birds, stuff like that, the barrier to entry to those is a lot lower than it is for big game animals because mostly because of where they live and it just it takes a little more time. So um, you can just start with you know those other things, those non-big game species. So that's the first one. You don't need a big game tag. Just get a regular hunting license. If you want to go hunt ducks, ducks, you buy a duck stamp for $25 and then you can go duck hunting, you know? So follow your local laws on harvesting non-game, or sorry, not non-game, big game, non-big game species. So a, a bunch of other things that you don't need, like a spotting scope, a range finder, a super fancy backpack or fancy tent, trekking poles, or even camo clothes. Like this is something that, it gets talked about a lot in the hunting community, like layering and high quality performance clothing, merino wool and these synthetic blends and like perfect clothing that's optimally or like optimized for hunting applications. But none of that is essential to a successful hunt. It's just not like you, <laughs> you can hunt in jeans and a flannel. Just ask your great grandpa. He probably did. But that being said, the claims are largely true when it comes to the performance of high quality clothing. If you're wet and miserable, or if you're freezing, you're going to have a higher chance of going home early and not being successful than if you are super super prepared for any weather condition and you have like proper layering and you can stay comfortable. Because, you know, however tough you think you are, if you're not comfortable, you're going to probably end up going home a little bit earlier than if you were comfortable and you had all the clothing and like perfect layering strategy so as far as like camouflage goes camo is is helpful in some situations but it's definitely not necessary so if you're if you're not too keen on dropping a thousand dollars and you know like a complete set of Sitka or first light clothing i am personally giving you permission to forgo forgo the camo and wear jeans if you want some budget camo gear, a little bit more budget friendly and still, you know, have some camo, then um, I use King's camo a lot because it's relatively cheap. It's not as high quality. It's just, it's just not, but it does the job and camo can be helpful in situations like in those close stocks, like it, it can help you get away with a little bit more than you could otherwise sometimes. But especially if you're rifle hunting, like camo does not matter at all. I'll leave a link to in the description for like some King's camo you can buy on Amazon. And, and actually I'm going to have a whole list of stuff that I talk about. Uh, I'm going to make a page at huntthewest.us slash gear. And I'll leave a link for that in the description. And then you can, or you can just type into your web browser, huntthewest.us slash gear. And you'll find all the links to the stuff that I'm, I recommend and use. Um, you can also just go and listen to episode three, uh, which talks about using Facebook marketplace to get on your first hunt. There's some good links in there too, but I'm going to put together like a, a legit resources page at huntthewest.us slash gear. So you 
you can have like a consolidated list of stuff that I use and recommend. Also, side note, you should know that I have no motivation to recommend stuff that I don't use or don't think will help you to be successful. Um, If you're just looking for some good solid gear that will be versatile and help you have a good hunting experience, you can count on my recommendations. Um, If you have any questions about that stuff, you can always email me, skyler at huntthewest.us, S-K-Y-L-E-R at huntthewest.us, and I'll be more than happy to help you out or answer any questions you have about gear. Part of the reason I even started this podcast was because as I got into this more and more, I was looking to find reliable gear that wouldn't break the bank, and I know others are probably looking to do the same, so I'm more than willing to help you out and I have no motivation to give recommendations that I don't stand by. You know, like I'm, I'm not sponsored by anyone or anything. Like I can totally just give you my honest recommendations. Okay. So that, a little bit of a side note there, but anyway, so another thing that you don't need when we're talking about stuff you don't need right now, um, is a truck. <laughs> I, and this may sound dumb, but like, this is something that I really kind of helped me back. And I was like, ah, I just like, it'd be so much easier if I had a truck, but that didn't stop me from getting out, but it was definitely a barrier that I had in my head. Like I really wanted a truck. I really wanted to be able to put stuff in the bed and, you know, go off road and be a lot more capable in that way. But I just used the vehicle that I had, which was a Hyundai Tucson. And instead of buying a truck, I just bought a roof rack instead. And you can, you know, you can get a good roof rack. I bought one on Amazon, you know, like a good Yakima one and I still use it to haul stuff around. Um, even though you guys know, I, I did buy a truck just, you know, last month, this month, what, whenever this comes out in February of 2020, I bought a truck. And, um, so it's going to be nice. Um, but you don't need one to get started. Uh, like I used that Hyundai Tucson for years and I, you know, I packed off and I put a, an entire gutted deer on top of that thing with my father-in-law once. And I've used it multiple times to put on, you know, bloody game bags full of deer quarters on top too. It's kind of nice because it, the, the roof rack is all, you know, there's air on all sides of it. You know, it's just like a rack. And so it's like a really good place to dry or let the meat cool down. But if you don't have a roof rack or whatever, like you can just buy a tarp and put that in the back of your trunk and put your bloody meat bags back there. Um, like you don't need a truck. And I know that that may sound dumb. Like, uh, yeah, of course you don't need a truck, but, um, this is just stuff that I was thinking about and you can, you know, buy a roof rack and you can buy a tarp. And that is a way easy way to eliminate that barrier from your mind. So like my main point with all this stuff that you don't need is that I'm giving you permission to get out there and hunt without top of the line gear. So let's talk about some of the stuff that you don't need, or sorry, that you do need and then maybe you can upgrade as time goes on. So one of the things you definitely do need is binoculars. I'm not going to go into like what kind of binoculars and I don't know I kind of went into that a little bit on in episode three and I'll leave all the links at huntthewest.us slash gear. But if you, you, but you really do need a, a pair of binos um, and you get what you pay for with those, but you know, you just need to set your budget and stick with it and then buy the best binos that you can afford. Um, I carried around a pair of $30 binos for years before I realized how beneficial that they would be. You know, like if you spend a little bit more, you, you do get a, a, a lot more value out of your glassing experience. 
So use Facebook Marketplace, Craigslist, pawn shops, whatever you want. This is how you conquer the budget battle. Don't buy new stuff. Um, if you want like trekking poles, they're really helpful. They're definitely not necessary. Like I, I, I really like using trekking poles, especially on the pack out. It like really saves your knees. You can spend, you can easily spend $200 on trekking poles or $150 on trekking poles and you'll have a better pack out experience. Or you can just go on Facebook marketplace like I did and spend $15 and get the same benefit. Although they are usually, you know, not as lightweight or, you know, they might be scratched up a little bit. But that is something that you can just upgrade later. If you really want to upgrade your trekking poles, you're only out 15 bucks. So I can't really speak to upgrading your trekking poles because I'm still using just my cheap ones. But I can speak to upgrading your sleep system. And you know that I love my canvas cutter bedroll. It is the greatest. Um, and if you don't know what a canvas cutter is, it's it's a cowboy bedroll where your, your pad and your sleeping bag all go inside and all rolls up into this amazingly waterproof and rugged and tough sack. It zips up all the way. Um, it's not like a lightweight bivy sack that you would use for back backpacking. It's like a legit bedroll. You are not going to sleep as comfortably in any other sleep system than a canvas cutter. This is the best sleep system that you can get as far as comfort goes. Um, in the backcountry and it, and for ease of use it is so comfortable so anyway so the reason I upgraded this is because I knew that one of my barriers to entry was camp setup like I, when I would get set up like when I would set up my camp I, I felt married to that spot like I'm not gonna leave you take all that time to set up the rainfly and pound in stakes and then you don't see anything in that area and you want to move but you're like eh, I kind of Spent a lot of time setting up this camp. I don't want to move spots right now. So I removed that barrier by improving my sleep system and buying a canvas cutter. Um, It is the most comfortable way to be mobile. You can get similar mobility by sleeping in the back of your truck or something. But I mean, you're probably using all that space for other stuff. And this you can just throw out on the snow or on the dirt and find a semi-level area and you're good to go. It takes like five seconds to set up. So... I'm kind of giving off topic off topic here. I didn't want to go like this deep into individual things, but just think about the barriers that you put on yourself. And when you're thinking, I don't want to spend that money on that piece of gear that I don't know. So I'm not going to, I'm just not going to go hunting. What you should be thinking is, do I need this to hunt or do I just want this? Is this just going to like make it easier or better? So the answer is likely, no, I don't need this. And Or it could be, yeah, I need it, but I don't need a brand new one or the best one on the market. And like, I can just get a used one or a lower end version of the the nicest thing and get out and hunt. So start thinking like that. A good example for this, um, at least for me, was a rangefinder. So I would see all these guys using rangefinders and making amazing rifle shots at super long distances. And I thought to myself, man, I need a rangefinder, but really you don't need one. You can sight your rifle in at 200 yards, look up the ballistics and know how much it drops at 300 and go practice shooting those rough distances with a water jug. Like if you can hit a gallon jug of water at 300 yards, you can hit a deer. I mean, the kill zone is about the same size. Once you like count off your with your steps 300 yards and set down a jug of water, like it's going to seem pretty far when you have like when you get on your scope and shoot that jug like it's going to seem pretty 
pretty far away. And, and when you see a deer a long ways off, you can imagine just like how big a jug of water would be on a deer and you can guess the distance. And I promise you, you're going to just want to get closer and which you should just do anyway. Like ethically, you should probably just get as close as you possibly can. You know, I kind of talked about this in episode, let's see, it was episode nine, long range hunting, shooting and fair chase. So what, what I talked about in that episode was you should extend the stock, not the shot. So we should ideally be getting as close as possible anyway. And if you can't make a 350 yard shot with a rifle, you shouldn't take it. <laughs> you know, even if you know how much your bullet is going to drop, if you haven't practiced at that range, you shouldn't do it. So um, practice judging those distances and counting your steps off so you know how far 300 yards is and then get a, a gallon sized jug of water or something and, and aim at that through your scope. And then once you like, kind of get a feel for that distance, you're going to realize that it's actually a pretty long distance and you should really try and get closer. So you definitely don't need a rangefinder. So just practice, get as close as you can and practice knowing those distances. And then if you have your rifle sighted in appropriately, then you can be anywhere under 300 yards and you can basically hold, you know, an inch or two low or an inch or two high, depending on how close you are. And it'll be obvious because it's just, it's close enough that there's the margin of error is, is low. So I hope that makes sense. But, um, having a rangefinder is awesome. Definitely necessary for bow hunting in my opinion, but not for everything else. Now let's talk about a backpack. So I think you need a good backpack, but you don't need like a super good backpack. I know super scientific terms here, good and super good. So, um, if you stay, if you stay relatively close to the truck, like about a mile or so, um, you could quarter out a deer, put it in game bags, hang it in a tree, and then throw a bag over your shoulder and walk it back like a sack of potatoes. So you can use your little hiking backpack with a water bladder, like a camelback or something, and you can put some game bags in there and a knife and you're good to go. Um, it's going to be a lot better if you have something that can haul meat, like something with a meat shelf or a meat strap, like something that's designed for that. And it'll help you extend your range as far as getting away from the road and stuff. But again, I'm giving you permission right now to stay closer to the road, use a regular backpack and game bags, um, and then just haul them out one by one. So I'll link the game bags that I recommend as well as the backpack that I use at huntthewest.us slash gear. And I've used the same game bags for years. Like I just reuse them every year. I just throw them in the washer on cold and they come out looking like brand new. They're pretty awesome. And you can pre-wash them in the sink or in like a to tub of cold water. Cold water is better for getting blood out. Um, I think because it like coagulates it and it kind of, instead of sticking to whatever surface it's on, it like sticks to itself. So it's probably a good call to throw it in, in the tub or something and on with cold water and swish it around a little bit and get, you know, most of the blood off before you throw it in the, in the washer and don't throw it in with your clothes. <laughs> that's, that's a quick way to get a night in the doghouse. Um, so looking back at that hunt with my brother in just the last episode in episode 21, you could kind of imagine that if we had game bags and the knowledge of how to quarter a deer, we could have just thrown those quarters in our on our shoulders and march them out in the dark with our headlamps and by the way if you need a headlamp that's good to know too like you need you need a headlamp and a way to start a fire as well so i mean those are just good wilderness survival tools as well as like water purification and shelter food water shelter fire 
those are like big things be prepared <laughs> anyway <laughs> i'm like super tangential right now so anyway that's the number one reason i think people get hung up is money they're like worried about buying all this gear and stuff and like yeah like there's going to be an initial investment but if you're already kind of an outdoorsy person you likely already have a lot of the things that you need to get out and hunt so let's talk about the next one um the next one you know so we've talked we've talked about money and now we're going to talk about you if you have no money to go with so guys this this is a hard one I, i totally get this especially if you feel like you don't have the knowledge to be successful like if you don't know where any deer are having a mentor is like the absolute best way to get better at hunting. In my opinion, I I have learned so much from people just by asking questions of people who are awesome hunters. So like I have a friend at work that who's taught me a ton and we've never been out together in the field, but I've learned so much just from listening to him talk, asking him questions. He's a really experienced hunter. I'm actually going to try and get him on the show here. Um, I've learned so much from him I have learned a lot from listening to podcasts and watching YouTube videos on how to improve and like tactics and strategies and stuff like that. You can learn a ton these days. Like there's no real excuse for not learning something in this day and age Like with the internet. There's so much free information out there and you can learn basically anything, including how to hunt deer or an elk or call an elk by getting on the internet, asking questions and looking through articles and, you know, watching YouTube. That being said, the best way to learn anything is to just do it. So, I mean, I've learned a lot just by doing too. So listen to the last episode where Bryce and I have no idea how to hunt and we just went out and did it and we tried new tactics and saw what worked and what didn't. I mean, we ran around and spooked every deer and then realized that didn't work. So we slowed down, still hunted through the trees in the middle of the day and we were successful. So, I mean, we learned more in those few hours than you learn in weeks of reading articles and scrolling through forums and stuff. So like learn by learn, learn by doing, go out there and hunt, even if you don't have a mentor. Now, if you can go with somebody who knows what they're doing, that's better. Listen to episode five with Nelson Johansson. I mean, he didn't know how to hunt and he found a buddy and went with him and learned how to do it and he was successful. So chances are, if you're interested in hunting, it's because you know someone who hunts. I mean, ask questions of that, that person. Ask to go along. Invite them on your hunt. If you get a tag, invite them to come with you so you, they can teach you. What's even better is having a hunt planned, finding some areas that you want to go and try, and then inviting somebody to come with you to help you out. If, and if you can't get somebody to go with you, I mean, then you can just go alone. I, I don't think not having somebody to go with is a reason to not go hunting. Like you can do it by yourself. Like you, you can, I've done it. Lots of people have done it. You can go alone. If you're feeling worried about safety or survival, or if you don't feel like you have the skills to be safe in the wilderness, then obviously, I mean, you can do two things. You can either stay home and say, Oh, I don't have the skills or you can develop the skills, go on little camping trips (laughs) like learn how to make a fire you know get a few little basic things to stay safe like shelter water like fire starter you know (laughs) take a lighter (laughs) but I mean you can always stay close to the road and one of the best things that I have gotten that has made me feel a lot better going out solo is having a satellite messenger with an SOS button so I talk about the Garmin in reach all the time it's a piece of gear that I seriously don't leave home without when I go out 
into the woods. So grab yourself one of those and have peace of mind that you can get help with the push of a button if something goes wrong. So listen to episode 10, solo hunting in a Hyundai, and you can see how I use that to self-rescue. And, you know, you don't always need a helicopter. You know, you don't need to push the help, like the the SOS button, but you can use that to, you know, message people and be like, Hey, like something went wrong. I'm going to, I need you to pick me up here. Uh, you know, I like twisted my ankle and I'm crossing a road right here, but I'm nowhere near my vehicle. You know, I can get somebody to come pick you up. If you don't have somebody to go with, do everything you can to get somebody to go with you. And if that fails, go alone and have an epic adventure alone in the woods. You're going to learn something, I promise. And it's going to be awesome. Uh, people have been hunting alone for literally centuries We've gotten, I feel like we've just kind of gotten soft in our modern society. I mean, think about it. Dudes were out there with their self-made stick bows hunting wild beasts over 2,000 years ago. Like They didn't have headlamps or replaceable blade knives or warm coats or a lighter, you know, like gas. A lot of that knowledge of survival in the outdoors like isn't really necessary anymore, you know, like how to make a bow out of a piece of wood. I mean, but that stuff's not gone. Like we have the freaking internet now. <laughs> like you can you can find a virtual mentor. I'm going to get some experts on the show so we can have a little bit more so, um, sources for knowledge beyond, you know, kind of my limited experience. But we've had some of those on the show already and um but I'm hoping to get a few more so we can um, you know, expand that knowledge and and add to those free <laughs> I mean this podcast is totally free. So like adding to the free sources of knowledge through podcasting is something that I I really want to do. But again, like you can learn a ton by just doing. So just get out there on your own and learn to hunt a lot more. And so that brings us to our next one. When you're out there, what if you're not successful? I think that's one thing that holds people back is like, oh, well, I'm just going to be out there wandering around and I don't know what I'm doing and it's just going to be a waste of time. So if you know that in, you know, kind of in the back of your head that you're not going to be able to put in the time to, you know, do a bunch of scouting or planning and you know that that's probably the best way to be successful and you just don't feel like you don't have the you feel like you don't have the time to put that much time into it because you're not super obsessed with hunting yet. <laughs> you would maybe rather use your time to put to put toward other things and um, if you like hunting enough, maybe next year you'll put some more time into it. You know, maybe this is kind of what you're thinking. But I think it brings up kind of the overarching concern that you're not going to be successful and you're not going to notch your tag. So you wonder if everything you invest, you know, to all this time and money, if it's going to be a huge waste of time and maybe your wife, your wife is going to be mad at you for being gone for seemingly no reason at all. I mean, we kind of talked about that. My wife and I is like, sometimes we don't come home with anything. And so I think managing those expectations when it comes to being successful and kind of redefining what success means for you. So for me, like I recently just went on, uh, I was going to go rabbit hunting last week. I had gone, I was going to go to this place where I had seen tons and tons of rabbits before. And I I really wanted to try this new Buffalo wings recipe from um, Ranella's cookbook, the meat eater cookbook. It's really good. By the way, there's a lot of cool stuff in there. I'll link to it in the description. Um, the meat eater cookbook is really cool. Um, anyway, I, tr- I wanted to try a recipe out of there for, to do kind of Buffalo style wings with rabbit. And I'm like, I've gone out to this area before and gotten like six rabbits in a day. And so I'm like, oh, I'll just go back out there. 
that same spot. And I, it's been a couple of years since I've been there. But anyway, I went out there. The goal was to get rabbits, but the goal also was to just get outside. And it's it had warmed up. Kind of a lot of the snow has melted recently. It's February, but end of February here. But uh, the snow was kind of melting in the lower parts of the valley. And so I wanted to get out and just, you know, stretch the legs a little bit, get out. I took my dog with me and I I also wanted to try out the four wheel drive on my truck. Not going to lie. And so like I had these other expectations, not just to get a rabbit or a few rabbits. And so I went out there and the terrain had changed a lot. Not that like the physical terrain, but instead of seeing tons of rabbit and rabbit sign everywhere, I didn't see any rabbits at all, not a single one. And I was out there for several hours and I saw tons and tons of deer and tons of deer tracks. I'm like, wow, this has really changed. Um, and obviously I'm not chasing the deer around this time of year and looking for sheds. I, I was kind of looking for sheds, but I wasn't like really focusing on sheds. I was mostly looking for rabbits. But I, the, the key to that is I, I came home and I was not unhappy when I didn't get a rabbit. Like It would have been nice to get one, but I had other goals and other expectations from that trip. And so I think when you really kind of search in yourself and or trying to understand why you're really going out, like, do you really want to bring home an animal? And that's the only reason you're going out. And if you don't bring home an animal, then you're going to be unhappy. Like, is that, I don't think that's the best way to to approach a hunting trip at all. So I think it's it's a lot better to go out and understand that there are a lot of reasons why we get out and hunt, you know, experience the outdoors, take in a ton of fresh air, see the beautiful scenery, see animals and in their natural habitat and kind of understand the landscape, the landscape and just get outside, you know, like have some silence, have some time away without you know, the radio on or constant distraction, like no internet, like time away is one of my top reasons of why I get out into the, into the woods and hunting has been a big part of that. So like, I think as you manage these concern or manage these expectations, it really helps you feel like you're not wasting your time if you don't get an animal. So like, just because you didn't notch your tag does not mean that you're, you're wasting your time out there. Like there's so much value in just being out. And I think that's why you hear that people are really sad to notch their tag on the very first day because yeah, you're fulfilling one aspect of the hunt or like one goal of the hunt, which is to bring home an animal. But when you go home on after the first day or like the first few hours, you kind of miss out on a lot of that time and those other goals that you could be achieving. And so anyway, that's, that's a lot of a a good way to manage that barrier of not wanting to waste your time is to realize and kind of search in yourself and kind of reflect, meditate on this a little bit and understand that you are really probably out there for a lot more reasons than just filling a tag. So anyway, so those are some of the things that I think that we all kind of struggle with. And th- and then as we, as we talk about these, um, if you want to step into a new area of hunting, if you want to up your game a little bit, if you want to, you know, maybe switch into archery hunting, take it to the next level, maybe go from a compound to a recurve or something, which is something I haven't done. But I would imagine that all these things are very similar. The information is out there. You just need to learn by doing. So if you've never been on an out-of-state hunt, 
you need to learn by doing. I mean, I, <laughs> if you you know my story of my first out of state hunt, and I almost got like thrown in jail. Um, you, you know, learn from that mistake and don't do that. Um, but you learn by doing. There's there's a lot of value in learning by doing. Just doing it. Get out there and do it, so you can learn. And that goes for switching to you know maybe you want to try muzzle loader because like the season works better with your schedule. And, you know, it's, it's a lot harder than rifle hunting. So you got to learn a lot about muzzle loaders and you got to practice a lot and you got to, you know, learn about the powder and the different loads and all that stuff. There's a lot that goes into muzzle loader hunting. And so like, where do you even start? It just like anything else. Just start with the free information on the internet, find a mentor, find somebody who knows what they're doing and follow them. And if you can't find a mentor, if you can't find somebody then use all the free resources at your disposal. Overcome those barriers. I'm just here to tell you in this episode that the barriers to entry that you see are largely self-imposed. So overcome your barriers. Don't buy fancy gear. Get that cheap stuff on Amazon or Facebook Marketplace. If you don't have anyone to go with, try and find somebody. And if you can't, go alone. And you're not going to be wasting your time when you're out there. You're going to be enjoying the outdoors. It is always a win if you get outside. So yeah, we all want to take something home. We all want a big hunk of meat in the freezer, you know, a nice trophy rack. We all want that. But those things are the cherry on top, in my opinion. So keep in perspective all of those expectations and all the reasons why you hunt. Get out there, overcome those barriers, do hard things. And so I'm, thanks for listening to this episode, guys. Like it is, it is just still blowing my mind that, that people even listen to this. Cause I'm just like a random regular dude that wanted to talk about hunting more. <laughs> so, I mean, there's like, there's literally hundreds of you that I have no idea who you are and you're all over the United States and Canada and even in other countries too. So thank you so much for listening. Um, and one of the things that is really crazy to me is that you guys are all listening to my voice every week and I have no idea who you are. So like, I'm still, this is a very small podcast still, but there's still hundreds of you that are listening. So, I mean, if I imagine a room full of 200 or 300 people, that is a lot of people. And so it's like, I, it's nice that I don't have to see you when I'm talking like in person. Um, but I know that you're listening on the other end. And so I really appreciate that. And if you are listening to this and you're really enjoying this and you like the podcast, the number one thing that you can do is share it with other people. If you don't have anyone to share it with, that's cool too. Like if you can re- leave a review on Apple Podcasts, that's a that's a great way for people to help find the show. So that would really mean a lot to me if you can leave a review. So I'm going to leave a link to all the stuff that we've talked about um, in the description in whatever app you're listening. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please subscribe. And if you are on Pandora, add to your collection. And if you're listening on Spotify, make sure you click follow. Every little podcast app is different. So anyway, thank you so much for listening. Go check out all the stuff that we're linking to on huntthewest.us slash gear. And overcome your barriers. Don't impose the barriers falsely on yourself. Most of these things are self-imposed. So get out there, overcome barriers, do hard things, and get out there and hunt the West.